Hello there, and thank you for joining the Archdiocese of Amazing Articles, also known as Paper Tuesdays, with Michael Dwyer and Mark Halpin. I am Mark Halpin. Hi, Michael Dwyer, Mark. How are you today? I am fantastic. Great to hear. Having a ball. Yeah. What about yourself? Oh, I'm really excited, Mark. We, we have started out this little hobby, and now this podcast is going to be the most extraordinary feast for the senses that anyone would ever imagine. Would that be fair to say? Is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Mark, let's keep the ball rolling and go to our parish of the week. And this week, the parish of the week is for South Donegal Church of Ireland parishes because they have a one pedal-powered pilgrimage underway there, thanks to the Archdeacon David Huss. So the Archdeacon is going around to elderly people, people on uh, awaiting their marriage uh, and he was about to perform a wedding to, for two people and he went and dropped a card to them and it's all in the good spirit of the idea that you know church is about connectivity between the community and here he is going around cycling around the countryside of South Donegal and keeping that connection alive so there you have it David Huss Parish of the Week are you happy for a mark? Delighted you can't bait a good mobile mass mobile mass <laughs> He reminds me of Jimmy Fleming, who in episode one was out and about delivering salvation to those stuck in lockdown himself. Yeah. <laughs> Different type of salvation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well, David Huss can, he can, he can take a week off from the cycling knowing that he is safe with his title of Parish of the Week. Well done, David. Mark, the Kenny people covers the story about growing in Ireland. So growing it yourself in Ireland. So there are thousand, a thousand of these grow boxes now available. If you if you log on this week to energia.ie, you'll get a chance to win these grow boxes, including wildflower bee bombs and uh, all sorts of great things in, in these boxes. So I don't think they'll ship to Australia, but I've entered the competition and I think it's a great idea. And... It's uh yeah. Well, you you have you ever had a grow box in your house though, or Mark? I haven't. No, I've never had a grow box. There was a fellow up the road actually who got arrested for having his own grow boxes growing in the attic. But I think he was growing some sort of exotic flowers up there. <laughs> I see. I see. What do you do? You grow hyacinths or what are they called? The um. Oh, I grow lavender. If that's anything. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm in the process. I want to make my own lavender oil, and I, I love fuchsia. That's probably what you were thinking of. Uh, yeah, yes, fuchsia, yes, fuchsia is my favorite plant. Yes, yeah, but uh, it's a, for fuchsia. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great idea, and it's kind of in line with you know this green wave that's taken a hold of our nation here, Mark. You know the. The Green Party leader, leader Raymond Ryan, a few months ago, he was saying how, we, you know, this is the time we have the salad boxes out in the windowsill and give a very patriotic speech in the, amidst the coronavirus pandemic. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all for it anyway, Mark. I remember, I remember that video. Um, uh, I felt empathy for him because I've been in that situation before myself. See, that's, that's exactly what happens when the teacher asks you to read out your answer when you haven't done your homework. <laughs> Just getting passionate about something. <laughs> yeah, he sort of got lost along the way. He forgot. He started somewhere and he ended up in a completely different destination to where he was going. <laughs> well, since we're there, Mark, I may as well go there. When you were in secondary school, uh, you 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 forgot something else, but it wasn't your homework. Do you remember when you forgot your pen and you started <laughs> writing for twenty minutes, Mark, in your class with a spanner, with a spanner. And then Miss yeah. Kyle, God love her, she turned around at one point and goes, Mark, it's not a spanner. <laughs> <laughs> Such a moment. 
such a book. <laughs> I remember that. I remember, yeah. 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 Oh, the look of disbelief on her face. It was a mixture of disbelief and disappointment. <laughs> That's a potent mix, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sums up my junior cert though. Oh well well done to Kenny people. Well done to Eamon Ryan. Well done to Mark Alpin. So we go on to, to uh, Leash today, Mark, and a great story about Dan Donoher. So this is the child who, you know, do it for Dan, took a hold of the nation in the month of March. They raised 2.1 million. He has SMA, type 1, and they, he's undergoing blood tests at the moment. So that's the progress report, thankfully provided by the local newspaper. And now we know that uh, he's a step closer to life-changing treatment in, in America. It's great, isn't it? It sort of shows that social media isn't all about either like that. You know, all these people came together for this child they'd never even met, and it was actually successful. Yeah. Isn't it incredible how it all came from, you know, such a simple do it for Dan and the five, you know, it was it was everywhere on Instagram, but, like, it didn't come from a, a PR agency. It came from a small rural part of Leash where there was a good GA backing all right because Niall, uh, Dan's father, uh, played for Leash senior footballers up to 2018, but... That doesn't uh, translate into a PR agency willing to, you know, go all out to get national press and everything else. It really shows where the internet, what, what the internet can do these days, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the book face. And now, Mark, our final story of the week. We go to uh, Leash again, and this time cans in the, the car park at lunch. So a uh, uh, prison warden in Leash, in Midlands Prison in Port Leash, he uh, has made a protected disclosure to the Department of Justice and uh, the pri prison service because initially when he made a complaint to the prison service about people going to their car and sharing cans at lunchtime, it wasn't, it, it didn't, it fell on deaf ears. So, um, it, the, like, what do you think of this, Mark? No, I don't know who this nerd is that's telling on him. <laughs> I don't, I don't see what the big deal is at all. They're just government officials whose job it is to keep the rapists and murderers off the streets. Who cares if they drink at lunch? <laughs> you know who else should be allowed to drink at lunch? Bus drivers. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny though. Like, I, I don't know. I know when they're going to their car. Generally, if you do anything more than driving in your car, you're, you know, you're on too nice. Um, like, if you're in France, and you go for lunch. I, I, I'd say in France there are prison officers who have a, a few glasses of wine with their lunch. Would you, Mark? What? I don't know. It's it's all cultural, isn't it? It is cultural. It is. See, that's the thing is that like uh, alcohol is different culturally in France than it would be in Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, lads in Port Leash, just I think you should stop the cans. They're, they're on tea. They're on tea, I think, lads. <laughs> Mark, it's a huge pleasure to welcome to Paper Tuesdays, Connor McDonald, our first guest. Connor, how does it feel to be on Paper Tuesdays? I'm absolutely delighted, Michael. Hello, Mark. How are you as well? Welcome to Paper Tuesday Studios, Connor. No better introduction to Paper Tuesdays than an old flash flood. Roll the tape there, Robbie. <laughs> I have a I have a problem this week. Big problem. My problem this week is with crows. Big flappy bastards. Jesus! I tell you something. You put up bird feeders to feed the little small birds, you know, 
they have birds eating things like that, and well, fuck me, you had these big bastards coming down out of nowhere then, breaking up the bird feeders and scaring away the poor old uh, small birds. It's not natural, and it's not right. There's only one thing that needs to be done with crows, and they need to be shot. Bring back Willie Kavanagh and lads like that, we used to go around shooting crows. We need more lads shooting crows, and just, they need to be gone. They're noisy, they're irritating, and they're big and they're vicious looking, like, you know, they're, they're not nice looking birds. Give me a nice looking bird, like a wren or, or something like that. A, a wren is a bit of cuteness about it. A crow is fuck all going for it. It's big, it's noisy, it's flappy, and it's just a bully, and, and I don't like bullies. No, that's some flash flood. Jesus. What I love about that is it's pure flood, isn't it? Like, like the three of us know and love flood, and uh, he's just one of a kind, isn't he? I, I love his description of a crow as big and noisy and irritating. It sounds a bit uh, like a bit of a projection from himself. <laughs> I was just about to say, it's like as if he's looking in the mirror outside. <laughs> James isn't the only one who has a gripe with a crow this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Follow up voicemail from dear friend of the show on Conroy. Hi Michael. Um I hear in this week's podcast there's gonna be a, a flash flood segment about crows and I'd like maybe this news won't be in the paper but it's quite interesting. One Virgil Conroy was attacked by a crow yesterday, um Monday the eighth of June. Um my dog, Tiny Conroy, um killed a crow and when Virgil went to remove the crow's body um, ethically and safely he came across a crow funeral where they were all gathered around and mourning the dead crow and one crow flew up came from behind and attacked Virgil right on the bald patch um, went straight for the back of his head so there's an interesting one about crows also worth noting that Virgil Connery has a chronic fear of birds there's a lot of interest in there. It's like to think that the butcher has a fear of birds. It's mad, isn't it? Fair play, Virgil. He probably has to counter this fear as well. Yeah, Virgil wouldn't strike me as a man who's afraid of a whole lot now, to be honest. But yeah, birds are, you know, it's an interesting one. It's like um, a fellow I know who is, he's, uh, he's afraid of ketchup, <laughs> which is a weird one. That's a good one, actually. Is this something that... Do you think James can overcome his fear of crows? James just doesn't like him. Virgil's afraid of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Any other thoughts on crows, Connor? Uh, no, I have a thought on James, all right? Yeah. I think <laughs> I think James, uh, I, I was telling Mark this previously and yourself about the <laughs> Skittle story. James just likes to give out, I find. And anything, anything that seems to be the topic of the week is not what he doesn't like. It's what he just wants to give out, in my opinion. Uh, you know, so maybe I said to Mark previously, we were um, the crows of his story in sixth year, was it, Mark? Fifth year? In sixth year. Well, fifth year for me, Connor, sixth for you. Yeah, we used to go out to Butler's to get an old driver's role. Obviously, James never got the driver's role because he didn't eat meat at the time because <laughs> for some reasons. But um, reluctantly vegetarian is the expression, I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's he's no longer afraid of meat. Um, I think he was hypnotized or something crazy. Anyway, um, he went in, got his his uh, legendary salt and vinegar uh, hunky dory roll, and. Uh, and a pack of the Skittles comes out to the car, the Fiat Panda, the infamous Fiat Panda, and uh, 
is able to turn around then and say he's forgot his bottle of pop, bottle of pop. James uh, is uh, bottle, a big bottle of Pepsi. So he runs back in and I kind of have a look at the, the boys in the car and I say, I want to eat the Skittles. <laughs> and uh, I think it was first year of college, which would have been, you know, maybe the end of that, say, good year, year and a half before we actually told him who ate them. I think we're laid back from lunch that day, which would be a record for James in itself. But it was, uh, so we were the crows there. We were stealing from James. But I just find he loves giving. He does, he does. I remember that story. He didn't talk to us for a good half an hour. Well, I got half an hour anyway, so you got about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually he didn't, he didn't talk to Mob for a good week and Mob didn't even do it. No, Mob didn't do it. And he, yeah, you Bob see, Bob, Bob kept saying, I, James, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, which <laughs> sounded more guilty. Me and you were just saying, I don't know what you're talking about. You should leave in the <laughs> shop. Do what you do, you know? And you revealed the, and it was you in college. Was that right, Connor? Yeah, I told him one night. Uh, I think I was actually eating a bag of Skittles, and he <laughs> he brought the story back up and was going to tell somebody. And I said, just before you start, James, just to let you know, I ate the Skittles and I don't even think he went on this whole story to whoever was in the room but uh, he was just uh, we broke new ground as a friendship <laughs> just before we move on Connor coming up to this interview I asked James seeing as you have a very special relationship with him I said <laughs> if he had to compare um, your and his relationship to that of another famous duo who would he choose and why God. So I, I'll give you three options as to which one was James and which ones weren't. So one of them is James. Is it A, Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute from the TV show The Office? Is it B, Rocky and Mickey from the series of Rocky films starring Sylvester Stallone? Or is it C, Mr. Burns and Mr. Smithers from The Simpsons? I think I'd have to... Ooh. I couldn't give him the Rocky one. There's no way. But I, think, <laughs> I, I think I'll. Ooh, I think I'll go with C, maybe. No, it was actually A. Michael yeah, Scott okay. and through. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Connor, uh, with 14 Fitness, you train James Thought, we should say. Or is this yeah. the waking client confidentiality, maybe? No, well, I think I, I, he's probably the only client I have that I, I kind of blast all, all over social media and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, people get a good reaction from it as well. But um, no, I train, train Flood. He's, um, yeah, look, it's for Flood. It's Flood, you know, yourself. You have to just get him going. Um, loves his YouTube music. Hates the, the jungle music, he calls it, that, that I put on the gym. So it's either YouTube Black and Tans or YouTube you know, blaring at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But it gets you going, I suppose. Whatever <laughs> floats your boat. And and would he would you prescribe now those crisp rolls within the diet plan for James? No, well, you see I told I told James James initially came to me and then I told him he said to me he was gonna get hypnotized. So <laughs> he went to London or somewhere to get hypnotized just so he could eat meat again, as far as I know. I think it's common knowledge at this stage. Yeah. yeah. So I <laughs> suppose you have to give everything a go and he's back eating meat now and could be eating too much meat. <laughs> <laughs> ah no, Flood's flying. 
is. He's on his way to being a superstar now as well. We might run a spin-off <laughs> series of the podcast just featuring Flood. Yeah. <laughs> You're both personal trainers, uh, so there's a lot you could both talk about. But the thing that we wanted to get a bit of your knowledge, Connor, is personal trainer and intercounty hurler. You know, uh, normally you're able to focus on just one of them, but you you have to focus on both. Um, what's that like? Um, yeah, it's it's certainly challenging. I think I think probably um, GA intercounty players probably don't recognise as much as anyone else um, how much they do and how much they probably organise themselves. Um, I would sometimes consider myself unorganised just because there's so much going on, but. I think if you just kind of, I don't know, called out what you were doing for a given week between training and work, time you had to be up at, obviously personal training are kind of, they're not the ordinary nine to five hours, you know. Um, there's early mornings, late evenings. Training at times can be can be late evenings as well, um, especially during the week. So it's, uh, it's difficult, but it's something that I enjoy. Um, there's a lot of hours to be put in to both and I don't know I suppose it just it, it just works now at the moment you know um, just yeah it just seems to be working um, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of you know hours to be put in on a training pitch but also you know you could be home at 11 o'clock for pre-season uh, some nights and you have to be up for five which is challenging in itself but you work around it and um, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it so um, I think it comes down to that more so than anything. Very good. So would you work sort of a split shift then, Mac? Can you sort of take a break or a nap in the, the middle of the day? Yeah, so generally I'd probably be probably be in the gym for five, quarter past five, and you'd probably go up maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You'd go to maybe 11, half 11 or so. And generally I'd try to get a nap in, yeah, if I could, especially if I'm training on that day. Uh, try get a try get a good nap in something just before I nap and um you know any days that I'm not training I'll try nearly train on an empty stomach train fasted um in the gym and then get a nap in get my food in get a nap and then back in for the evening then with the pandemic you haven't been able to have in person classes but you've been doing Zoom classes and that's resulted in you having a lot more uh, home workouts yourself isn't that right yeah exactly um. To be honest, I, I was I I wasn't sure how the Zoom was going to go, and now it's I've had the time to kind of think about the whole online game and the whole lot. And I, I, to be honest, I think it's it's something that I would be crazy not to go into. Um, I'm sure, Mark, you you would probably see the same. There's there's, there's mm-hmm. so much to be gained from it. There's such a big market. Like you can literally, realistically, someone from anywhere in the whole world can can access your stuff. Whereas if I have the gym, it's very local. You know, there's you know, if you're what maybe 15k outside the uh, outside the town, you're, there's probably there's a good chance there's a, a gym closer to you. So um, you're not just going to travel for the same for the same service elsewhere, really. So um, the online is good. The, the zooms are flying, it. and I think probably this pandemic as well is is probably highlighting to people how easy it is to access the same. Well, not the same, but the similar kind of resources in regards to gym work and home workouts and all that so yeah it's definitely changing the whole um industry of fitness is going to change and the scalability of online is massive as well like you can instead of having a class with say 15 people in front of you on an exercise bike you can have 
a thousand people watching and exercising with you. Exactly. And I think I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I think a lot of people who just like the general population of, of people who want to go to the gym, they, they want to maybe just, I don't know, lose 10 or 15 pounds, drop a stone or fit into their gene, just basically feel feel good on themselves or, you know, lose their weight and get toned up or whatever, you know, the, the old sayings of, of, of what people want. Um, they're the people I like in, I like working with. And, you know, you probably, a lot of people would have thought I would have went down the road of athletes and stuff like that. But I like seeing, you know, people who are, you know, just living day-to-day lives and have priorities elsewhere, just kind of, you know, escaping for a while and doing something for themselves, really. And I think the home workouts and stuff like that is where where the gym is not a real priority. It's it's where people are going to really kind of be drawn to, I suppose, in the next while. Yeah, so you're removing the whole sort of the travel time as well, which is another half hour, 15 minutes, an hour anyone going to the gym like you're you're taking that away effectively as well so it's saving them a lot of time yeah exactly and sure even you know people who have kids are you know there's there's a few there's a few uh few women and and who have kids who would have had to you know get someone to mind their their kids for the hour that they were there now they're running around in the background in their in their own home you know or they can turn off their camera if needs be you know it's very i think it's very comfortable i just think people who maybe hadn't attended class or had been attending classes before and never done a Zoom, had been forced to do it now and realise now only how easy it is. You know, a lot of people would have thought, oh, no, I'm not doing that online. Or, you know, people just were on a, like, just didn't really know what, what the whole thing was about, really. And now you're forced to know. So everyone's talking about Zoom these days. Yeah, yeah. I found yeah. it interesting, Ari, how you mentioned about personal escape. Like, and that's what it is for some people, you know. That's the only hour they have on their own maybe in the week because otherwise it's... Um, they have so many other responsibilities and stuff but uh, that, that must be one of the most brilliant aspects of a personal trainer that you have you witness a personal impact in facilitating their coaching would that be fair to say uh, definitely I like I was saying I was, like I was saying earlier there like if you work with athletes stuff like that you're, you're t- I would be thinking in the same mindset for my training as the person I would be coaching so if if I was training an intercounty footballer say for example I know what he's thinking. I know what he's trying to gain. And then I'll go to my own training. And then I, I don't have a fresh mindset going to my own training. So whereas if I have someone who comes in and has to come in at six o'clock because their kids won't be up and they won't have to get ready for school then by the time she goes home or he goes home, then it's like it's it's just an actual personal gain. And I can like look at her or his... Um, kind of whole training regime with a fresh mindset because I don't have that so that's that's the biggest gain I have um stepping into the gym every day really it's just everything is fresh fresh perspective yeah yeah see it's meaningful work as well like you're not really getting bored I'd say because you're you're not you know punching numbers in a desk or you're not sweeping floors like you're actively making people's lives better and that must be rewarding in itself like it's hard to get bored when these people are coming releasing these endorphins and you know feeling good no exactly it's not just money and the 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 kind of confidence you get knowing, you know, in a couple of weeks, like I often say, right, say say someone doesn't come in maybe a Thursday to a Tuesday, you know, on a given week. A lot of people want to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but say somebody comes in, they're, they're a hectic week or they're going away for the weekend or something. They can't, they come in on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning and you don't see them till maybe the following Tuesday. So, like, it's them extra couple of days, you know, say maybe week four or week five into a program and, they're kind of they're nearly thinking am I getting 
you know, the results here. And when you come in, you know, after them extra couple of days you haven't seen them, you just see that then and you see the little kind of bit of a glow off them and they're ready to go back training and stuff like that. That's the biggest gain I get. Um, you know, it's not about how much someone's lost. It's just literally how people's body language and how they approach the gym as well. Some people trudge in. They don't know what's going on, you know, first two weeks and it's, it's like hell. It's like a chore. Um to just say you're even in the gym but then people just if, when they incorporate that into their lives like that's that's the most important thing you've had a lot there on your insta lately about uh things like habit changing and stuff like that if you were going to put maybe like one maybe two like uh habits or thoughts like i know one thing that you have connor is uh you know half if on your plate of food half of it should be veg that type of thing any straightforward, no-nonsense tips that you would give uh, if you're speaking to anyone to improve their lifestyle? Um, yeah, sure. Look at it. They're improved all lifestyle. I would say it's it's uh, sounds like a bit of a cliche, but uh, you just touched on nutrition there. Like if it's, uh, I'm sure Mark would say the same thing. For anyone who wants to change their lifestyle, I just think the likes of portion sizes, without going into any great detail about macros, about you know proteins and fats and just you know all the boring stuff literally just realizing you know if you want to have a burger or you want to have a takeaway at the weekend that doesn't mean that you're you know you're on a binge and you're going to lose the plot now for the next week or you're oh i'm so bad or you need to feel so guilty you could have had you know i always try even personally i always try going on kind of an 80 20 so 80 percent of the time of a good balanced diet and then 20 percent of the time if you want a couple of points you you want do you know what i mean it's not you're not breaking the bank you're not going crazy you're not going on a binge for three weeks and then you're feeling feeling shit really um so yeah that would that's the only thing live by the 80 20 i would say i don't know about you mark what do you think on that 100 percent. yeah it's the majority rules you just yeah. like you know it's what you're putting into your system your your fuel sources everything absolutely everything like how you think how clear your thinking is you know how much energy you bring to each day to each situation you're in it's what you're running on like it's it's huge nutritionist yeah and i think i think as well like you just said there like the benefits of you know like i find right when if i'm eating really clean i have more energy i'm up early in the morning um you know you're you're sleeping better everything just seems to be seems to be just working together Whereas, you know, and then there might come a stage where you say, right, I, you know what, I wouldn't mind the Chinese. But that's, it's not a reward, but you feel like, yeah, I can have that because I want to have it. But you realize then that it's not the food that is fueling you and making you feel the way, you know, you felt, say, during the week, for example, if you had on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, exactly. You don't feel good afterwards. You feel good while you're eating it, but then within an hour, you want to take a nap. Like, you're not going to go yeah. running laps after that like no, it's just no. even the motivation gets drained with that like the, yeah. even the thought of going to go running it just disappears exactly exactly you had enough motivation though to do the marathon at very short notice how many weeks notice did you have for that mark <laughs> well the plan was um the plan initially obviously was to to go further in the club championship but it didn't happen um with faster um uh, lucas i I just find if I have something to to focus on or or something next, I know some some people would be saying to me, "You'd be delighted at the break." And I remember people did, you know, it was a long year at Wexford. It was a long long year with with the club. People would be saying, "Yeah, you're delighted with delighted with the break." Now you have some time off. 
And I remember just literally, I think it was in boxing club on the Monday night and on the Tuesday I went for a run with a client of mine who actually ran was running the marathon. I think he got it's a three oh seven or something. So that in itself for the first session was probably not ideal. It was absolutely broke up after. But um he kinda talked me into it and I just thought I could just go for it. Um didn't probably have enough training done but I think it probably helped me in the long run um, not kind of training my body too much into uh, you know slower longer distance running just maybe just take the hit and let the body kind of fall apart for a couple of days afterwards but not really train the muscles that much because you definitely you can lose speed with long distance as well you can of course and I think that I think the more I kind of did train I've done a couple of long runs I, I think it was in total five weeks probably um, which isn't as you know probably enough for 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 a marathon. Um, I certainly found that out the hard way. But uh, like I say, my muscles weren't exactly trained into slower, longer distance running. Uh, my mind, <laughs> I felt like my mind was probably the only thing that got me through it. I I can safely say I was bawling, crying, come around UCD. Um, while twenty one, I just seen my Andy Sarah and the kids now were there and I just left them and I mean I was absolutely balling the fellow I was running with hurt his Achilles so I was running on my own then I started running like I was running a fucking Harlem match just trying to get <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a nightmare but look at it, it's an achievement I suppose And what was the furthest you ran before the marathon Mackie in the lead up to it um, I done a half marathon I done they never say like do the full marathon so I done a half marathon say 10 days prior to that and then just after that then it was just kind of I was trying to just keep like it was crash course now of of uh, of running but um I was just taking a guide off the, like I said the, the fellow who was training with me and he was just saying just really just all you need to do now is just you know 10k's 8k's or 6k's and just get your pace you feel like you're you just need to keep running but just if you just have your pace then you're you're fine and the fellow I was running with, uh, Melissa's cousin Nathan. He um, he had been training flat out, so he he said initially he'd go for four four hours forty, and there was something in me. Someone said this to me. I'm not sure if I've told you, Michael, but someone said to me that uh, when I got the number, <laughs> Ian McQuillan was the fellow's friend. He said he spoke to a fella saying that who he was giving a number to, and he said, "What do you think? What would be a realistic time for him?" And he said, if you get all under five hours, you should be lucky. So he had me hit in my head four and a half to be grand. And I said, <laughs> once he said that, that was it. So when Nathan hurt his Achilles, <laughs> when Nathan hurt his Achilles, I uh, I just told him if I stop, like I'm getting the Lewis back into town. Like so, <laughs> I said I better get, I better just keep going. So we got four twenty seven. So is that being up? And you mentioned there that you were wearing someone else's name, so you know you were get, you were getting proper. Uh, you weren't engaging really with the spectators, you know, cheering you on until you met your man from Antrim that really took a hold on you. That was some something. Well, I tell you what, if I ever if I ever come across him again, I I, I give him a hundred euro, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> say it's two miles left, say. And the whole way through, yeah, your name is here with your number, like. And just mm. on your phone there, and it says uh your mind said Paul, Paul Gibbons. And uh all the way through, like I was just people looking, staring you in the eye. Come on, Paul! Now, fairness is unbelievable, <laughs> you know. 
And uh, there was a there was a there was a woman I was trying to keep up with because right? it was keeping me going because no one was saying come on Connor come on Mac or whatever. There was a woman called Eileen, right? So everyone she was in front of me, come on Eileen, <laughs> and I that's all of it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Well, I'd say she was twenty years older than me, and she was gone. Like I couldn't keep up with. Her. But um, anyway, I had a Wexford top on me, a Wexford kind of vest, and I'd say it was. Like I say, when I was turned around by the RDS, dude, like everywhere was cramping. I felt like I'm done. Like I was nearly starting to walk. There was people really struggling. And out of nowhere, this fellow from the north from Antrim had this Antrim top on it. Connor McDonald, I can't believe you're here. What's going on, man? <laughs> I just ran straight over to him. I hugged him and he's trying to like get cramp like get rid of the cramps and me calves and everything. It was outrageous. But I kept me going in fairness. I'll go with one more question because we've we've a lot we could have talked about. If what do you think has been the guiding star for you over the like through your childhood and everything, Connor? Because a lot of people just assume that success happens overnight and it doesn't. So what 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 do, what do you think have been your roots? What what has what spurred you on? Um, I think. I don't know, like, I think through everything I've done, you know, through sport or whatever it may be, I always just feel, like I've said this to you before, I always feel like if I do something, I'm in, and a bit like the thing there with Martin, or if I ever boxed, I always felt like, right, I just have to win the All-Ireland. And the same with Hurling, the same with anything else. While some things are team sports, or you know, it's one thing I've learned with, with say, the running or or even boxing was was a great help. You know, if you don't push yourself to the absolute max, like if you, if you really look back on it, then you know, can you say you were really successful? That's what that's what spurs me on. Spurred me on with, with while being my part of the Wexford panel. I want to look back on my career and say I've done unbelievable things personally. Or there's been you know there's been a few things or you know you can pick up some accolades yourself. While it is that. Uh, sport you obviously want to just be the best person you can be and that's really that's really it I just want to be the best of at everything in the business whatever maybe that's really what spurs me on it's all about determination really then isn't it determination and I would say as well I, I, I would say like if there's something that you don't really 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 want to do then I just don't do it because it's not worth the kind of half-assed effort half-assed result you know or not like I think that's people who are wanting to do stuff or, want, or think they want to do stuff like just have a sit down because the road to kind of being semi you know successful at anything is actually really tough and it's not worth it because when you can get to kind of semi successful in anything and just be like like I remember boxing and a lad clipped the ears off me there not so long ago and I think he was 19 and just because I I don't know, one in all Ireland when I was 13. I thought I could step in the ring with this fella and he bet the years off me. I was going right home with a fucking bloody nose and a, and, a, and a black eye. But the following day, I'm ringing Basil Kennedy and Niall Murray and these lads saying, here, I need to get in on the pads and tell me what's wrong. Just because like, I, I'm dying to go down to Wexford <laughs> to bet this fella. <laughs> Might not ever happen. <laughs> like, this fella, you know, it was, was handy enough. Um, but like I say, it's just, that was just in my head like, the minute that happened. That's a very good point there that like, you know, 
if if you don't give something your full focus or if you if you have as you said there half-assed effort half-fast result it, it it is very true like if you don't have a hell yes response to something a request or anything you probably should just leave it then and not, and, and let it pass by do you have any thoughts on that mark yeah, I suppose half an effort, half an effort gets half a result with anything. It doesn't matter what it is, and like it's obviously a personality trait that Connor's developed where he does it in anything he goes into. Like he just he gives hundred percent to it. It's it's something that you build up yourself, and it, it, you know goes across different platforms. But uh, it it's true in any situation that if whatever you give is what you get. I think some people. I think people are are some people are okay with that as well. Some people like just like prodding along and doing their own little bit and it's fine that's just it wouldn't be wouldn't be for me some people you know you've often heard of you know players on club teams who are just ah they're just there to get big gear or just on the you know to get a, a jersey on the county final there you know that's just not for me <laughs> if, I, if I play a game of cards or do you ever see that game cornhole cornhole you need to throw a sandbag into a hole it's just new rage now with everything in quarantine Darren Cullen's after getting one of these, and I'm not joking you, there's more rows out in his house. <laughs> <laughs> About the ways of these uh, sandbags, and oh, us should look it up. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say then that like the mindset really has a lot more to do with like raw talent. Like hurling, hurling is a skill and you need something more to extract that skill. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's something that I'm probably just been have been aware of for over the last number of years. Well, you know, I'm saying this now about like you know trying to get success and trying to win All Ireland or trying to you know win Leinster's whatever it may be. For a long time, personally, and I would have probably just got away with maybe the skills of hurling, um, especially my first first kind of couple of years at Wexford, it, you know, kind of exploded. Um, I think it was what it was in the sixth year when I. Aiden came on for Wexford so the year after that went well 2015 just got away with being you know an okay hurler and and not being where I should have been physically 16 kind of changed it a little bit so while my mindset was always like oh no you've enough hurling there to get away with not being physically fit or being you know that's something that I struggle with and I struggle to to accept that as well and I think when Davey came in as well he came in straight away and was like you're so off the pace like. and I would have all, yeah he would have and he I wasn't the only one but it was it was it was unbelievable to think like I was like no no I, you know I'm grand I'll you know I'll tip over a few points every day I'll get a goal here and there I've, you know my hurling skills will look after itself but after a while, I realised, hang on, I'm going to start getting taken off here if I if I can't last the game. And he doesn't give a fuck who you are. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done previous. We've done fuck all, really, when you think about it. You know, we were a mediocre, you know, inconsistent team. Um, I think that's just where the mindset of everyone was. And that's, that's where the mindset has taken over for me, really. So, um, you're... Social media accounts, I suppose, will be 14 Fitness. And what's your, your personal one as well, if you want to give that out? Yeah. It's Con Max, so C-O-N-M-C-D-1, um, and 14 yeah. Fitness. Cool. Deadly. Well, I suppose we can move on to the three things we've learned today. Well, one for me would be the um, that what you've said there is basically that you push yourself out. Of, you know, that there is 
great value in pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Mark, what have you learned today? Uh, I learned that Virgil was afraid of crows. I never actually knew that about him. <laughs> <laughs> and Connor, what have you learned, sure? Yeah, I also the one with Virgil. I, I can't believe a butcher is is afraid afraid of crows of all things. But, um, but I think there's something we can all agree on. That's that James Flood just loves giving out. <laughs> I know I can speak on behalf of Mark when I say, Connor, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Thanks very much, folks. Yeah. It's a million. Anytime. Thanks, yeah, it's been great. Talk to you soon.